Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, I am not the senior pastor. My name is Brian Clayberg. If you're a guest or visiting or if you're online, uh, I serve on staff as the worship pastor. And this morning I get the opportunity to, uh, to lead us in another facet of worship. And I'm excited about that through the preaching and the teaching of the word. And always this opportunity is something that I really look forward to whenever it's uh, given to us. Our senior pastor, Dr. Bros, is out on some vacation. So please uh, remember him and his wife, Debbie, in your prayers, that they just have a restful time, uh, and they'll be back with us soon. Uh, last week, we had Joe Andrews, our campus pastor, was here, and he, he taught and preached and really brought a message that I thought was very needed, it was a timely message talking to us about the characteristics and the attributes of God and the fact that those things do not change, that the same God 3,000 years ago is the same God today in 2020, and what a message that we needed to hear and so this morning, what I want to do is kind of just piggyback off of that a little bit, because we're just, we're in some trying times. Uh, there's a lot of uh, anxiety and angst, a lot of issues that we're dealing with. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, my wife and I, we were at Walmart Friday, not this past Friday, but the Friday before last. It was the Friday, the day that the, the governor came out and made her new mandates. So it was that Friday. And so we were at Walmart uh, that morning. We were going to do some early Christmas shopping and get some of that done. And so we were at Walmart that morning. Uh, and she hadn't had her press conference yet or, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so we're there. We're doing some Christmas shopping. We're getting some stuff done. And then uh, it just took longer. You know, that's how shopping goes, for, especially for guys. It just took way longer than it should have. It's just like dragging on. Like, okay. So I'm starting to get really hungry, like hangry, hangry, hangry. So I, I eventually have to tell my wife, we got to go. I got to eat. I'm going to murder someone if we don't go right now. So we actually took a break. We got the Christmas shopping. We were going to do some grocery shopping too. You know, she obviously wanted to get it all done in one thing, and uh, we didn't do that. So uh, we took a break. We got our Christmas shopping check, checked out. We went across the street to eat so that I wouldn't kill anyone. And then while I'm at lunch, while we're at lunch is when the governor makes her whatever you want to call it. Uh, and says we're basically going to be shutting stuff down for a couple of weeks, new restrictions and that type of thing. So <laughs> when we got back to Walmart after lunch, it was a completely different scene. Completely different. Uh, I mean, it was probably triple the amount of people. It was just rushed and hurried, and it was just thick in the air. Uh, people with shopping carts just shoving stuff in. Some people with multiple, like one in front, one behind, you know that deal? If that's you, I'm sorry. But you know, they're, they're pushing stuff, and don't even think about going down the toilet paper, paper aisle. You can't even get in there. You need some body armor. I mean, it was just crazy that the news broke, and immediately there was just a sense of overwhelmed anxiety that you could feel in the air. And I'm sure some of you have experienced that. And you've been there. And you're feeling some of that even. And we are just living in a time right now that that's just become um, something that we're all too familiar with. And it, I think actually, if we're thinking about it, being overwhelmed and anxious is the new normal. I mean, doesn't it feel that way? Like that's just kind of normal for us now. Like we wake up in the morning, we're like, oh man, I'm anxious. Oh yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> I'm feeling a little overwhelmed today. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's kind of normal. And we've, we've, we've kind of grown used to this idea that anxiety and being overwhelmed is kind of the new norm in our life. And so I was thinking about that over the week, and I just think it's really important for us as believers and as followers of Christ 
if anxiety is going to be this new normal that we're going to deal with, because listen, things aren't going to just go away overnight. <laughs> we understand that this is going to, things are going to drag on. And even, it, you know, when there's not a pandemic and political unrest, it's, there's still going to be anxiety that we're going to have in our life. This is a normal thing. And so as believers and as followers, uh, followers of Christ, we should try to then really understand from a biblical perspective how to deal with our anxiety. And anxiety is um, kind of defined as an overt emotional response to an uncertain situation. And I think when we're thinking about anxiety, we can understand that there's some anxiety that can be a positive thing, like being anxious for something good, like maybe you're anxious for your wedding day, that's a good thing, or, or maybe you have some anxiety over some reasonable danger. Like at my house, there's some anxiety about some reasonable dangers. That's why I, t I would tell my children, no, no, don't go in, in the busy street. There's some danger there, some anxiety wrapped up in that. Don't, don't do that. No, no, honey, don't put that knife in the electrical socket again. <laughs> because last time you did that, you came in running into the room saying, fireballs are coming out of the wall. And that was not a good situation. No, no, whatever grandpa tells you, never ever pull his finger. <laughs> There's a real danger involved in that for everyone, okay? And so some anxiety can be, you know, can be a, a positive thing. But I think if we're being honest, if we understand anxiety, we know that it is a negative thing. Like being overwhelmed, being stressed, being worried, being rushed, being anxious can even have a physical toll on our life. You can see the results of anxiety in someone's life. It can take years off of your life physically. And so we've got to understand as followers of Christ how we deal biblically with our anxiety. So what I want to do this morning is I want to read for us uh, from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And this, I think, is very helpful. The Apostle Paul gives us some things to, to think about. Here's what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the Apostle Paul is writing this, uh, this letter to this book, uh, this letter to this church in Philippi, this church he loves so dearly, and this church is dealing with some anxiety. Uh, so in this text, he's going to deal with that. Now, this church in Philippi is dealing with some anxiety on multiple fronts. They have some anxiety. They're, they're anxious about Paul and Epaphroditus and their ministry and their well-being. Uh, there's some anxiety because they're experiencing some persecution as a church. And so there's some anxiety over that. There's some anxiety because in the church, there's some relationships that have been strained, and there's some tension with some relationships in the church, and they are experiencing some anxiety with that. Also, some anxiety over uh, the Judaizers, these false teachers that are trying to come into the church and change some things. And so this church is there. They're experiencing this. They're overwhelmed in some things, and they're experiencing some anxiety, and the Apostle Paul is going to deal with that in this moment as he writes to this church. And so what I would like to do is I'd like to just kind of walk again through that uh, verse by verse. And so again, in verse four, he starts off by saying this, rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Now this is really the theme of the book of Philippians. 
This is a thing that comes up multiple times in the letter that Paul writes to this church that we should rejoice in the Lord. Now, we understand, um, if we understand anything about rejoicing, we understand it's talking about joy, that you take, rejoice is to take joy in something, and that joy is different from happiness, and that joy is constant and continuous no matter what the situation you're in. Now, happiness is different. Happiness will come and go depending on the situation you're in. That's why many of you today, uh, later today, are going to be very unhappy because the Cowboys are going to lose another football game. In fact, you've been unhappy for months now, and I just don't know what to even tell you. Now, I, I understand I'm, I can't really talk because I'm a Detroit Lions fan, and so I've just learned to have joy in that situation because if I try to have happiness, it's just going to go bad for me. But happiness can, can come and go depending on the situation, but joy is to be different. To rejoice or to take joy is to be a continual thing in our life that is unwavering and does not change. It's not a feeling It's a deep down confidence in who God is and what God does and what he promises he will do. I think it's important when we talk about joy to really hear Paul's words here because he says that to the believer, our joy is not aimless. There is a focal point. There is an aim to our joy. It's not joy in certain things or joy in a situation we're in. It's joy in what? In the Lord. He says that's what you take joy in. Rejoice in the Lord. And really the first point that I want us to think about this morning is this, that when we're overwhelmed and anxious, rejoicing in the Lord is the only way to survive. Because we're not rejoicing in situations, we're rejoicing in the Lord. And this is not our default position, is it? When trouble comes, when trials hit, when difficulties happen, when we're anxious, our default position is to run and to hide. Like, I want to lock myself in my room. I don't want to go out. I don't want to deal with anyone. And that's not what Paul says. He says, no, no, you don't retreat. You advance. You rejoice in the Lord. And I think to an outside world or to someone who maybe isn't a follower of Christ, this idea of rejoicing always, because Paul says always, right? Like, are you serious, Paul? All of the time? In everything? That's what he says. You rejoice always. And I think to the outside world or to our culture, this is a foreign idea because it can almost seem like if we're rejoicing in some situations, it's almost like an inappropriate response that the outside world wouldn't understand. Like, how do, you, how do you rejoice when you've just lost a loved one? How do you rejoice in the midst of a pandemic? How do you rejoice when our nation seems to be in upheaval? How do you rejoice always in situations where there's so much evil and injustice and sinfulness in the world? Because Paul's saying you rejoice always. How do you rejoice in those things? Well, remember, Paul's not saying you rejoice in those situations. Of course you don't rejoice in those. He says you rejoice in the Lord who's over those situations. Do you see the difference? So I can, as a believer and follower in Christ, yes, I can rejoice in the Lord when I've lost a loved one. Because I understand that God is sovereign over that situation, and he'll comfort me through it. I can rejoice in the midst of a pandemic Because I also know that God is in control of that situation. 
I can rejoice in the Lord in the midst of when our nation seems like it's in turmoil because I understand that Jesus is the true king and his kingdom will never end. I can rejoice when there's so much sin and suffering and injustice in the world because I know and I understand that my God will one day come again and make it all right. I don't rejoice in those situations. I rejoice in the Lord who's over those situations. And Paul says that type of rejoicing is to mark your life as a believer. Then he goes on in verse 5, and I think verse 5 is one of the ones when we're reading this passage that we kind of just skip over, but I think it's important. He says this in verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Your translation might say, let your gentle spirit be known, or your gentleness. This is one of those um, words in the Greek that's really hard to translate into English because of all the different nuances and meanings. But it's this idea that in the life of a believer, there will be a steadiness about us. There will be a reasonableness, a gentle spirit that guides us through our life. And yes, we're going to have ups and downs and highs and lows, but over the course of our life, there should be a steadiness about us, something that grounds us. And he says, let that be known to everyone. And then in verse 6, he really gets to the heart of the matter. And he says, the Lord is at hand do not be anxious about anything. I actually like the NIV in this instance because the NIV, NIV or other translations will say the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. And the term for near that's used here is this idea that God is near both in time and in space. So what that means is not the nearness of God just simply like in, an, in, in some time. Like when uh, he comes again, then he'll be near. Yes, he will. Or, or when we pass on into glory, then he'll be near. Yes, that's true. But it's also talking about the present tense. That God is near with his presence in our lives as believers. And so he says, because of that, because of his nearness, don't be anxious. The Lord is near. And his presence is something that is very powerful and something that we can experience. And the next point I want us to see is this. God's presence brings about God's peace. Listen to David in Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. Listen to this. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart will be glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, this does not sound like the words of someone who's dealing with anxiety. And if we know anything about David, we know that he dealt with that. He had his highs, and they were high, and he had his lows, and man, were they low. We just went over his whole series on the life of David. But in this moment, what we always see from David, he always comes back. His reasonableness comes back. His grounding comes back. He comes to the Lord, and he says, your presence, your presence is what I need. And it grounds him. And his nearness through his presence sets him back on the right course. And if we're going to look at an example, then we got to remember who's writing this letter to Philippians, don't we? Because the Apostle Paul knows something about being anxious 
and being overwhelmed in life, if you know anything about the life of Paul. Three times, Paul was shipwrecked. You'd think after the first time, he'd be like, ah, I don't want to do this again. And after the second time, he'd be like, I ain't getting on a boat. Three times he shipwrecked. It says that um, he spent an entire day on the sea, a night and a day he spent on the open sea. Paul was stoned multiple times. He was scourged at least five times that we know of. He had been beaten with fists, beaten with rods, beaten with words. He'd been scored, chased, scandalized, slandered. He'd been the, the focus of riots and death threats. On one such occasion when he escaped a near-death experience, it says he was snake-bitten. <laughs> I finally got out. Oh, a snake bites me. Cool. He had what he called a thorn in the flesh, which he admitted tormented him. He lived with some type of disability or even deformity. And on top of all of that, Paul says in his own admission that the most of his anxiety is wrapped up in these small churches, these young churches that he's started and that he's trying to care for. If anyone should know anything about being overwhelmed with life or being anxious, it's the Apostle Paul. I mean, think about this. Paul is writing these words, rejoice in the Lord always. And do not be anxious while sitting on the cold floor of a jail cell. He is in prison when he's writing these words. That should catch our attention. Because he knows something about being anxious. Now, this is not to make light of the situations that we're in. Because our situations and Paul's situations were difficult. They were hard. They were painful. But Paul and David and others who were rejoicing in the Lord and seeking his presence will always be grounded with their reasonableness and come back to sinner. So how do we get his presence? Because that's what we need. Paul goes on in verse 6 to say this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with, uh, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so from this text, we can see that prayer is the cure for anxiety. Now don't let this be a, don't think that this is some type of cop-out answer. Oh, I'm anxious. What do I need to do? Oh, I guess I need to pray. Now, we forget the power that's in prayer. I know I do. But there is power in prayer. Now, now notice what Paul says about our prayers, though, because I think this is important. What should they be filled with? He says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that there is supposed to be a gratitude that marks our life as believers. That when we go to God, yes, we're dealing with, with many different issues. We have difficulties and hurts and needs and wants and other things and other people that we're, that we're wanting to pray for. And even in the midst of all of those things, if yet somehow we can remember to be thankful, what we will do is realign ourselves in our mind and our thinking on what is most important. And then look at what happens as a result of this type of prayer. In verse 7, he says this, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the byproduct of someone who is rejoicing in the Lord over any situation, who is seeking his presence, 
and who is going to him with his concerns through prayer, but prayers that are filled with gratitude. The, re- the, the results are the peace of God, this peace that cannot be explained. This holy, divine peace will guard you. That word for guard is an interesting one because it actually talks about, it, the, the picture is a city that is being fortified by an army surrounding it. That God's peace will literally guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it will fortify you when you're doing those things. Yeah, 1 Peter 5 says this, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. We can't really talk about anxiety without looking at that verse, because what we get from that verse is God cares for you. He cares about your anxiety, He wants to take it from us, but we have to give it over. He wants to take it from us, but we have to give it over. Well, how do we cast our anxiety on the Lord? I think Paul gives us that answer. You don't rejoice in the situations you're in. You rejoice in the Lord who's over those situations. You seek his presence, and through his presence, you gain his peace. You go to him in prayer with thanksgiving, and that's how you cast your anxieties on the Lord. He wants those from you. He doesn't want you to live in anxiety. That's not the type of life that he wants you to live or me to live. We also need to understand that this idea that the Apostle Paul is giving this church and then giving to us is not a suggestion. This is a commandment. And I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way, but this is a commandment. (laughs) Do not be anxious. And if you don't want to take Paul's words for it, then you can take Jesus' words for it in Matthew 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, Jesus tells us. And then he goes off in this big spiel about why we shouldn't be anxious. These are commands, which I think then can be confusing, so let's clear something up. Because if these are commandments that we're given not to be anxious in our life, well, we're going to be anxious, aren't we? (laughs) Like, probably later on even, today, I'm going to have some anxiety over something. I'm going to feel overwhelmed. Remember, this is the new normal for us, kind of, it seems that way. So am I just constantly then going to be in sin because you're commanding me not to do that? I think it's important for us to understand that when Paul's talking about this, when Jesus is talking about this, he's talking about the continuous and habitual anxiety that we would face. Because we're all going to experience anxiety from time to time, but when that anxiety takes hold of your life completely, when it's all you think about, when it's all you dwell on, when it's captured you, there is a sense at which when we are anxious over and over and over, and that is part of our life, there is a sense in which we are not trusting God. And we've got to be cautious with that. And so the next point that I want us to see is this. Anxiety itself is not a sin, but anxiety can cause us to sin. We're going to be anxious. We're going to deal with that. And it can cause us to to disbelieving sin if if we don't check on that. And really the last point I want to make is this. While we can't choose our anxieties, we can choose our responses. You know, a little while ago, I talked uh, with you about the Apostle Paul and, and even David, 
and how they understood something about being anxious and overwhelmed in their life. Uh, but there's one who's even a greater example of this that we could go to, and that's Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Savior who has come into his own creation to redeem his creation, knows something about anxiety and the sense of being overwhelmed Then you and I will never comprehend. Think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night of his betrayal and his arrest and his crucifixion. He knows in that moment, he knows exactly what's about to happen to him. He knows that soon he's about to be betrayed by someone close. He knows soon that he's about to be arrested and put under these trials and mocked and shamed. He knows he's going to be beaten and tortured beyond recognition. He knows he's going to go to the cross. And if that weren't enough, he knows full well he's going to take on the sins of an entire world on himself. Not his sins, but yours and mine. And if that wasn't enough, he is going to be forsaken by his own father. And the very wrath of God will be poured out on his life. He says this in Matthew 26 to his disciples when this is happening. My soul is very sorrowful even to death. He's in such anxiety in this moment, he's about to just fall over and die. Luke tells us that he was in such anxiety that he literally sweat drops of blood to the ground. Now listen, you and I have experienced anxiety before for sure, but we've never experienced it to this magnitude. And at the end of all of that, when everything is said and done, when he's, he falls on his face before the Father, and he says, Father, may this, may this cup, if there's another way, can it, can it happen? If there's another way, can you take this cup from me? In a very real moment, Jesus asks for that. And by the end of it, what are his words? When all is said and done, when he's strengthened by the presence of his Father. And he goes to him in prayer. He says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. See, we can't choose our anxieties, but we can choose our responses. And your anxiety in your life can lead you one of two ways. It can lead you to a God-honoring response of faith and trust and surrender. Or it can lead you to disbelief and sin. God does not want us to live lives full of anxiety. He says, cast your anxiety on me. So Paul writes this letter to this church who's dealing with some anxiety and a lot of other issues, but in this short text, which I think is just crucial for us in the time that we're in to see these types of things, he says to them, you've got to rejoice in the Lord. I know the situations that you're in are tough. You don't rejoice in those situations. You rejoice in the Lord who's over those situations, trusting in him. You seek his presence because his presence will bring peace in your life, a peace that will literally guard you. And you go to him in prayer, you're honest in your prayer, but you're thankful in your prayers. And when this happened, this peace of God that you cannot explain is just going to come over you. And I know that many of you have experienced that. That peace of God that you're just like, I don't, I don't, I can't even, I don't know. Why I have it? What, what it is, where it's coming from, it's coming from God, I know that, but it's just hard to explain. It's this divine peace that God offers to us. How many of us need that right now? I could use some of that. 
especially the time that we're in and all that we're dealing with. There's going to be a lot of anxiety. It's not over anytime soon. So we better understand how we deal with those things. And we've got to rejoice in the Lord. And we've got to seek his presence. And we've got to be thankful in our prayers to him. And in just a moment, we're going to have a time of response and invitation time. And, you know, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I, I just got to be honest with you. I don't understand how people apart from Christ even survive. <laughs> because I have experienced the peace of God in my life. And I know without that peace, my life would be very different. And if you've not accepted Jesus and you've trusted him as your Savior and your Lord, his, his death, burial, and resurrection to save you from your sin, I pray you would do that because you need that peace of God. And some of us will be up here in the front this morning, and if you want to do that, you can come forward and, and talk with us. We'd love to pray with you. You don't have to come forward to do that. You can do that right where you are right now. You can do it at home later. You surrender to God. I, by faith, believe in what you've done, and you just... You turn your anxiety and your worries over to him. I pray you would do that. And for the rest of us, listen, I guys, I know, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I don't know that there's been another sermon that I've preached where I've really literally had to tell myself over and over the week leading up to it, Brian, you better practice what you preach. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Because I'm feeling it, just like we all are. But I've tried to take Paul's words and Jesus' words and David's words and these hopeful words and put them into practice in my life. And I believe the peace of God is there for us all. To where we can, if we, if we would just give that anxiety over to him, that we could come together and proclaim together, it is well with my soul. This paradox where it's not, it's not really well, but it's just I'm going to declare that because it is, because I know ultimately you're sovereign over it all. And that's my hope for us all this morning as we respond in just a moment, that we would just let that anxiety go. We'd seek his presence. And God, it is well with me. Oh, how we need that. Let's pray. So Father, I thank you that you don't just leave us in these situations that we're in, but that you care about us enough and that you love us enough to give us ways that we can deal with the things that we deal with, that you've asked us because of your love and your care over our lives to cast our anxieties over to you. So help us, God, with our disbelief, with our distrust, expose it in our heart. Help us to rejoice in your sovereign hand over the situations that we're in. Help us to with confidence sing a very difficult lyric that says it is well with my soul. And help that be real to us. Give us your peace so that God ultimately we can continue on in our life honoring you and glorifying you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Would you stand together?